You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. What's up, Grace Church? It is great to be with you. Uh, Snowpocalypse 2018. Hopefully we'll get out of here before the snow. Someone on the way in told me to don't preach too long so they could go get their bread and milk, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I hope, my name's Russell, uh, one of the pastors here. Uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope it was very happy and filled with family, food, lots of food. Uh, leftovers, maybe a little bit of shopping, uh, maybe a little bit of football. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it was great for you. Um, I had a great time with, with my family. Uh, yeah. So this is a picture of my daughter, uh, Maisie. She's, uh, two and, uh, she's adorable. This is actually the first snow a couple of weeks ago. She's, uh, staring awkwardly at a snowflake, like what is happening right now? Uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, the transition to parenting for me was, um, pretty difficult. I, uh, most transitions in life I did okay on, like, I thought marriage was okay, I guess you could ask my wife about that, but, uh, uh, but I thought it was okay going to college, you know, different things like that, being on your own, but this one was tough, and, uh, it was hard because it, and parents know this already, but it really challenged, like, my, fully my selfishness, uh, cause it's like there's this kid that, like, wants something from you every moment, 24-7, and, um, and I really struggled with, uh, just my heart in embracing that. And, uh, and like now it's better, but, uh, for the first six months, eight months, whatever, uh, I just, I would do what I was supposed to do. I'd do the role of dad, but I wouldn't be happy doing it. I wasn't enjoying doing it. My heart wasn't in the place it needed to be. And then I, a little bit into that, I asked God to really transform my heart, to change my heart and to, um, to basically transform it to, to, to a heart of a father, really. And it's crazy. So she's two now, a little bit over two. And as I look back, I can just see my heart towards my family and how I lead it and how even how I go home after work has changed. Uh, and, and it's, it's amazing. And I can say, uh, it was, it was from this place of reaching out to God and having Him, uh, transform my heart and say, Hey God, this is not right. Can you, can you, can you, can you fix this? Can you make this new? Um, and um, I think it's the same when it goes for this idea of radical generosity. I think we're, that's what we're talking about. That's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is this idea of radical generosity. And uh, and I think when I when I when you begin to hear generosity, what I do is I begin to think of all of the generous things I need to start doing. Like, oh, I need to start tithing, and I need to like maybe buy people lunch, and I need to like I need to give some more of my time and volunteer somewhere. I need to start doing more. And uh, not that doing is bad and doing generous things is bad. Um, I think eventually that is the outcome. But I think what we're really looking at, how do we get to a radical, uh, generous heart? It, it, it doesn't come through doing. It comes through becoming. It comes through becoming a radically generous person. Now, how do we become a radically generous person? Like, is there just some steps that, to take to becoming radically generous? Like, if you do this and this and this, you will be generous and you'll be radical at it. Uh, maybe, I don't know. 
but I think Justin talked about this a little bit last week, Romans 12, 1 and 2, which talks about, verse 2 specifically talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this transformation happens, this renewing happens. It's not like I need to change the way I think about things. I need to change the way I think about things. I think it's when we acknowledge the fact that, yeah, like I've been thinking wrongly about this. Uh, and then we ask God to come in and transform and give us a new heart and to see the world the way that he sees it. Which then, after that transformation happens, we become new. And specifically in the topic of this generosity, it's this, we become newly generous. We become radically generous after God has transformed our heart and our mind. This is also the process of sanctification, which is a, a fun Bible word or, or theological word, which is this idea of being, uh, becoming more like Jesus. It's the road you're on after you become a Christian is you become taking steps to renewal through the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus, which is called sanctification. There's your free lesson. But for us, the question that we have for today is this idea of who are you becoming? Like, are you becoming a radically generous person? Is your heart on a regular basis, being renewed, being transformed into being more and more generous? Or do you just do generous things? Do you just do generous things? So let's pray and we'll jump in today. So Lord Jesus, uh, you you are ultimately the one who was radically generous uh, by sending your son to die for us. And he rose again and we praise you for that. And, uh, and we thank you so much for how good uh, you are and what you've done that you uh, came for us and that you died for us and that you rose again. And uh, you offer life to us for those who believe. And uh, and God, I pray that today, God, that we would leave here uh, stirred and excited for what you want to do and how you want to use us and how, how you want to work through us. God, would you make uh, Grace Church a radically generous church? That people would be, man, that, that church is just generous, over-the-top generous. Not just money, but time, efforts, uh, even in dreams and arts and things like that as well. God, would you make us radically generous with our resources? So God, would you move today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you have your smartphones, you can turn there. And uh, we're going to be looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is uh, a, a, a quite famous parable of Jesus. Uh, so much so that there are nonprofit organizations, uh, the Samaritan's Purse, that are named after this parable, this story. Uh, and it begins with uh, a lawyer, a Jewish lawyer, a lawyer, a, a, like an expert in the law, comes to Jesus and asks him this question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus said, basically says, well, you tell me the answer. Like, what do, what do you think you should do? And so this lawyer, he answers with this uh, text, in Deuteron- De- this, this famous text, this Hebrew text in Deuteronomy chapter 6 called the Shema. And it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And then he answers also with Leviticus 18 and love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, and Jesus says, you've answered correctly, go do this, which he know would be impossible, because essentially the whole law is wrapped up in those two commandments, and he's like, it's impossible to do that, life comes through, uh, me, and, uh, and so, but anyway, and then, uh, the teacher says, uh, the, the lawyer says this in, uh, Luke 29, 10, 29, he says this, but he wanted to justify himself. So he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells this parable in verse 30. He says, Then Jesus answered him and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing. They wounded him and departed, and leaving him half dead. 
And so we see uh, there's a man that goes on this road, right? It goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. We actually have a picture uh, of this road, uh, kind of what it looks like. This is from present day. You can see how it winds through this desert here, and it goes from Jerusalem, this city on a hill, down to this desert city, this oasis called Jericho, the city of the Palms. is actually there um, in August of this year, and our team is there right now. And uh, and so, but this man travels on this road, and this road is known to be dangerous. It's rocky. It has wines and bends. There's caves along the way that you could hide out. And, and often in this day, thieves would and robbers would sit in these caves and they would wait for someone that was isolated and they would attack them and they would hurt them, sometimes kill them and leave them for dead. It was also known as the Way of Blood. It was 17 miles long, descended 1,800 feet from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And so this man, he's sitting and he's bruised. He's probably uh, naked. He's bleeding and and he's about to he's half dead he's almost dead he's there so what happens verse 31 now by chance a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side so a religious jewish person comes by and he sees this man and what does he do he goes on his way he passes by you might have heard this story before verse 32 Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and he looked, and he, the same response, and he passed by on the other side. And so just a couple of thoughts about this is one, the priest, he looks and he sees him. All right, I'm not going to mess with that. I'm going to keep going. The Levite almost looks like, you know, almost like he takes like a long stare. You know what I mean? Like he comes and he looks, almost considers, and then he, he, then he leaves. He departs. He goes on his way. Now, let me ask you this question. Are there things in your life that you, you come across? Are there, are there, are, on your road, on your journey, on your, on, on your way of life, are there people you come across and you see that they're hurting, they're broken, they're in need? You see them and you can definitely tell they need something and you look at them and then you keep on going. Like how many of us in our own journeys, in our own work, in our own families, when we see the brokenness of humanity in this moment, and, and we, we could even do something. Like, oh, I could, I could help him. I could give him a bandage. I could give him a ride. I could give him my jacket. I could do something. I could give him a meal. I could do something. And we see them, and that we just pass on by. Like, why do we do that? Like, why, why, why do we pass by? Why do we even, like, we, we look, we see it, and we pass them by. Some of you are like, I don't see any of that. And maybe one of the things that God wants to transform your heart and mind is, is he wants to, to train your eyes to see broken things in this world. That could be your first step today. It could be your takeaway today that you need to see it. But why do we do that? People that talk about this story, they say that the, the, the priest and the Levite, they had responsibility. They had things to do. And if they would have touched this man, they would be unclean. And if they were unclean, they couldn't do the things that they needed to do. The interesting thing about that is they're leaving Jerusalem, which is where the temple is. They're coming down to Jericho. Potentially, they didn't have, they've already done their job. Now, others have said, Martin Luther King said this about this. He says, you know, maybe they were worried that this guy was faking it, that this guy would take advantage of them, that this guy would hurt them. And that if they would help him, that they would look like a fool just like this person, this half-dead person. And really their concern was not about the individual who could almost be dead, but their concern was themselves. 
And I think the reason why oftentimes, and I can speak for myself, I can't speak for you, but I, I say the reason why I pass by is because I'm too busy, I don't care, I might have something better to do, I might not have enough time, it might impact the way that people see me, it might, it might cost me something, not just money, but other things. And so the reason I don't pass by is because I'm too concerned with myself. And as we think about this intentional generosity, it's, is, is, is intentional generosity is outward focused. As it, it begins with this intentional generosity is outward focus. It, it begins with us not looking at ourselves and our own stuff and our own life and our own busyness and everything else. And it's opening our eyes to seeing the world around us that could be hurting, that could be broken. It's opening our eyes. And so, so maybe the, again, the first step for you is not, is not this some radical thing yet. It's just opening your eyes. And seeing the world that is hurting around you, seeing someone that is hungry, seeing someone that is abused or depressed, seeing someone that needs someone to put their arm around them and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Maybe, maybe that is what you need to do is just to open up your eyes and asking God to see the world differently than we already do. And not just focused on ourselves and someone else. So the first point is intentional generosity is outward focus. The second one is that intentional generosity is compassionate. Is that intentional generosity, it's compassionate. The story continues in verse 33. It says this, but a certain Samaritan, now Samaritans in this day, we could talk a lot about why Jews and Samaritans did not like each other, but you just need to know they don't like each other. Jesus mentioning uh, this in the story, it would have appalled that lawyer so much that, that he was mentioning that, that the priest and the Levite wouldn't do something. But this Samaritan, oh, you're going to bring up my enemy? He's going to do something? Awesome. Great. Let's go. So, but this Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion, and, and intentional generosity is compassion. This understanding uh, of, of compassion uh, goes to this, this stirring. It's this idea of the stirring within that causes you to move. It's this compassion that leads to action. It's this, this compassion that you just have to do something about it. Like you just can't sit still anymore. You have to do something about it. There's this uh, old com- older comedian I say it was old uh, because I watched it when I was like five or six years old, and I think he was old then. Uh, but his name was Mark Lowry. He's a Christian comedian. Anyone ever hear of Mark Lowry before? Anyone ever hear about him? So he he would sing and he would uh, tell jokes and whatever else. But I used to I used to watch this VHS tape of this old Mark Lowry. He would be singing and telling these jokes. And by the way, a VHS tape. It's this device, kids in here, that you put into a VCR, I know, really technical terms, almost like a DVD player, and you put it in and had this tape that would show the video on it. It was amazing. It was crazy. Anyway, uh, anyone, anyone still have a VHS player at their house? Anyone? All right. Can't believe you would actually raise your hand. Okay. Um, so this, uh, but Mark Lowry tells this joke. Um, he tells this joke about the seat of the emotions. And, uh, and he, and he talks about in the West, uh, we, we talk about the seat of the emotions is the heart. Like we say, I love you with all of my, well, I don't know what you guys say. What do you say? So I love you with all of my, right. You say, I love you with all my heart. Right. So, and we do that because that's where like we place that stirring inside of us. We place that seat that's on the heart. Right. So, 
And so his joke is, uh, you know, other parts of the world, they place the seat of the emotions in different parts of the body. So one of it's like the kidneys. Uh, another part's the liver. And so he's like, there's some dude looking into his lover's eyes deeply with all the utmost affection saying, baby, I love you with both my kidneys. And, uh, or there's pickup lines somewhere in the world that someone's saying like, hey, baby, you make my liver quiver. And, uh, which I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but the see the emotions is something inside of it that stirs us to move. Like, like when you're in love, you're stirred to move because you love that. Like, like you have to go tell that person. And the, the see the emotions in the first century, and I'm not trying to make a joke, but the see the emotions in the first century was the bowels. And it, it's the stirring that, that you have to do something. Like, like you're stirred so deeply that you have to do something. And so when he has compassion, like he, the, the Samaritan is stirred where like, I, I can't not do something right here. Uh, Luke uses this, this word a little bit later in his gospel, uh, describing a, a father who his son comes to him one day and basically tells him, I wish you were dead. I want half of my inheritance right now. And this son goes off and spends all of his money on partying and wild living and whatever else it might be. And uh, and the son is e- literally eating pig food as he's taking care of these pigs. And he realizes that he has it, a servant has it better in his father's household. And so he decides to make the journey back home. And when this father sees him, when he's still a great distance off, Luke says it this way. And when the father saw him, he had compassion. That picture, and then when he and when he had compassion, he didn't just sit there and wait for his his son to come home. He ran to him because he had to do something because he was stirred from the inside, and he put a ring on his finger and he put a cloak on his shoulders and he killed the fattened calf because his son came home. What stirs you? Like what stirs you? Do you have compassion? Do you have this level of compassion, this weight of compassion that just stirs something inside of you that you, you have to move? Like you have to do something. Like you can't help but do something. You, you have to. What stirs you? Is it that kids are sick or, excuse me, kids are hungry in the world? Is it that maybe there's more slaves in the world than there ever have ever been before? Today. Is it that there's billions of people who don't know Jesus? And that Jesus has tasked you, the church, to go share this amazing message that Jesus came and died and rose again. And he truly is the savior of the world who offers life to everyone. What stirs you when you see someone hurting, crying, abused? What stirs you to move to this action? Like you can't help but do anything. Here's the thing about this compassion. is like, it's not, you can't fake it. Like in the same way, you can't fake love. Like you can't fake compassion. You can't fake being stirred in this way. And it's different than guilt. I think sometimes we confuse guilt and compassion. Well, I'm supposed to do this. Guilt is based on the perceptions of others. Like uh, there's this perception that I should be a generous person because I am a Christian and I follow Jesus. And they do, they give 10% and they do these things and they spend their time and they volunteer. Or is it just, are you becoming someone that is moved by God that you have to, that's transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you have to do something? Are you stirred? So intentional generosity is compassionate. And the last one, 
is that intentional generosity is radical. It's radical. So once you see the world and you see someone hurting or you see something wrong and you're stirred to do something about it, is your response measured or is it radical? Is your response measured or is it radical? So the story continues in verse 34. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set on his own animal and brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Verse 35. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, which is two days wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I come, I will repay you. Which is amazing. And so we see this Samaritan, he's stirred with compassion, and then he acts, and he goes to him. And I think this, I think we could just read over this. He went to him, a Samaritan. This, this guy's most likely a Jew who's half dead on the ground. The Samaritan went to him. He crossed over cultural boundaries and went to him and took care of him. Is there, is there a culture that you would not go to? Is there a person that you wouldn't go to because of their, the color of their skin, their, their sexuality, their religion? He went to him. I think that's amazing. And that's part about being radical is that there is, there's, there's no limits to who we would go to. Like we're willing to go to anybody. He bandages him. He pours oil and wine, puts him on his animal. He, gives, he puts him in his car, gives him shelter, takes care of him, gives him a meal, covers his expensive like, when's the last time you would be willing to give two days wages to somebody? Just like off the hands. A dude you met that's in the ditch on the side of the road. Here you go. Here's two days wages to take care of whatever you need. And if you need more, I'll come back. I got you. That's crazy. That's radical. He invested in his future. He invested, he took, it took his time, his money, his effort, his cleanliness. He would have gotten dirty. He would have messed up his clothes to do this. He was willing to do this. It was, he was, he was, it was radical. There's a, there's two uh, ladies in, in the church and their families uh, who are friends of mine. And um, uh, Justin mentioned one of them last week, Carrie Pullman. And, uh, and there's another lady that she does uh, this, this outreach to the homeless in Kansas City named Lori Knutson with their families. And uh, I, I just want to share their story because this is radical. This, this, is, this is awesome. It all started with a conversation with Lori Knutson. This is Carrie talking. And she wanted to show her kids that the majority of the world doesn't live like us. This is what they saw. Like, hey, we live in a blessed community. We are, we are a resource. We are blessed. I want to show the world, I want to show my kids that the world is different. And so a few summers ago, we signed up with our boys to go out on a food truck and actually serve the homeless right where they live. And so this is the first, the, the first time on the truck sparked a desire in my heart to reach the lost. So it started with, I want to teach my kids about the world. And it turned to this, like God's going to use this for me and my family to reach the homeless, not just with meals, but with Jesus. And so, and, and, and also this is that she believed that it was preparing her, this is Carrie, specifically the fact that someone would be coming, a homeless person would be coming and staying uh, in their home for a season of time as well. And so they signed up uh, for four spots, you know, four people going, serving once a month. And they took their families, and here's the thing, sometimes they couldn't make it. So they'd have other people from the community that was serving this, this community uh, to fill these spots if their families couldn't go. And then they started adding monthly sorting, and then they started adding uh, annually, once a year around New Year's Day, they, was, they would organize with all of their friends, 
uh, and their families, about 60 people to go and help go serve together. So their community, their influence, hey, let's go and serve the homeless together, which is awesome. 60 plus volunteers coming together of people that they knew going, serving, blessing the community around them. And then they wanted to do more. So they partnered with the Schmidt family, uh, who's in that organization. And they, uh, they, what they do is they go and pick up homeless people, about 30 plus, and they bring them to their homes. And then they feed them, and they serve them, and they, 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 they spend time opening God's word together, and, and they take them back. They're bringing homeless people into their lives, hearing their stories, serving them, blessing them. Now they're working on uh, trying to find a, a cold shelter for them in Olathe uh, for December 1st through March, March 31st. Uh, but, but that's what they're doing, and they're impacting. They did it all on their own. They just, they just had this desire, and they went. They saw a need. They went and did it, and God is working inside of them. Two things she pointed out is one is the friendship between her and Lori, God using this friendship specifically so that they, could, they brought them together so they could do this together. Another thing, too, is just amazing how God uh, is placing people in her life and how as she looks back and sees God's hand moving in it all along. It's amazing. Now, why do I tell you that story? Do I tell you that story to make you feel bad and say, hey, go figure it out. Go do this. No. I tell you the story is because I hope it stirs something inside of you. I hope, I hope it causes you to, to, to think about what you see in your world, in your journey, on your road. And to see what God has put in front of you, that's, that, that when you come across it, that's just something moves inside of you that you have to do something. And that then your response wouldn't just be measured and controlled, but it would be radical. Like over and abundant, freely giving what you have. If it's time, money, energy, uh, cleanliness, resources, so that you could bless the world around you. Not just for the, not just for, not just for blessing's sake, but that so that people could encounter your generosity, and so through your generosity, they can encounter his generosity. So Jesus finishes this story, and basically asks him this question. In verse 36, he asks him, it's like, come on, Jesus, this is, this is, this is, you're tossing me a softball here. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the, leaf, the thieves? Uh, and then he says, um, uh, the, the lawyer actually like, can't even muster up to tell him it was the Samaritan. He just says, the one who showed mercy. And so Jesus says, then go and do likewise. So what do we do with a message like this? It's interesting, the, the man asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells him to go be a neighbor. The man asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, go and do likewise and be a neighbor. And, and again, you could leave this today thinking, all right, I need to, let me make my list of all the things I need to do so that I can become, uh, so I can be radically generous. And I want to challenge you is this, is it's, it's not necessarily about doing more. It's about who are you becoming? Like, has your, trans, has your heart been transformed to see the world the way that God sees it? Has your heart been transformed that when you see things that are broken, that are not of God, that, that aren't supposed to be this way, that your heart is stirred with compassion, that you have to do something? And has your heart been transformed that when you, when you see those things, that your response isn't just, all right, here, we'll throw some money at it, or I'll give a little bit of volunteer time. But no, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes because I want people to know this incredible, generous God whose name is Jesus, who came and died and rose again. So who are you becoming? Like when you think about your own life, are you just trying to do? 
are you becoming? Are you becoming a radically generous person? And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus, like you're here with family, you're visiting, um, and, or maybe you're here today and you're just checking this out. And, uh, and maybe you feel like that person that's on the side of the road, who's half dead, who's beaten, who's naked, who's distraught. And you're like, I need someone to come pick me up. And here's the reality is this, is that Jesus did, is that Jesus had compassion for the world and he came and he died and he offers life and salvation and wholeness and peace and joy found for all of those who believe in him. And maybe today is the day that you need to say, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to pick me up and put me on your transportation. I want you to, to, to clean me up and save my soul. So, so would you pray with me as we continue to worship? So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would move today. God, I pray, God, I, I pray that we would get our hearts not on doing, but we get our hearts on becoming. And then out of our becoming, that we would then do the great things that you have for us. Uh, God, I pray for those who don't know you in this room. I pray that, that today that they would realize is that, that you have compassion for us like that father had the compassion for the son who ran away and you were eagerly waiting for us to come home. And so God, I pray that people would come home today, they would come home to you. And I pray that you would move throughout the rest of our service. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.